most of you who do not get to sneak off to Children's Church, I apologize. I will do my best to be as fun as Stanley, but that's, that's a high goal. Um, and I do, for the rest of you who are sitting here, I want to thank you for choosing to be here with us in person or online um, on a holiday weekend when you could be doing fancy holiday weekend things like sleeping in which is a very fun thing to do. Um, I also want to thank you for being here when I'm preaching, even if you didn't know that I was preaching. Um, I appreciate your patience with me. I have done this once before in here, and that was at the end of Discovery Weekend. And preaching a sermon at the end of Discovery Weekend means you've slept like five hours in the last three days, and you're exhausted, and I had way too much caffeine. So like, you can't even really process what's happening. You just kind of have to say a bunch of words and hope that they make sense. So this is my first time preaching when I had like a normal adult amount of sleep, and I wasn't just coming off of a weekend full of running around a church with a bunch of youth. Um, so I'm really glad that you're here. Because, um, you know, it is really nice to have a three-day weekend. I'm really excited about it. My boyfriend forgot that it was a three-day weekend until halfway through the day yesterday. So that was a nice surprise for him. Um, but it's not just a holiday weekend, right? This is also a really important day in the church calendar. Now, if this was a youth worship service, this is the part of the sermon where I would ask, does anyone know what today is on the church calendar? And a bunch of kids would raise their hands, and half of them would be raising their hands to say something like, Fortnite Day, or Poop Day, because they are 12. <laughs> but most of you, I think, are not 12. Some of you might never even have played Fortnite. So you might know that today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. That's why it's red up there. Red is the Pentecost color. Um, it's one of the most important events in the New Testament, and it helps set the stage for basically everything we see after the Gospels, just as the early church is beginning to form, like Ross was talking about. And if you don't know what Pentecost is, but you're nodding along or trying to look like you know what it is, um, don't worry about it. I did not grow up in a church that followed any kind of liturgical calendar, church calendar. Um, so if none of what I'm saying is familiar to you, you and I have been in the same boat before. But that's part of what this sermon is for. Um, so like Ross said just a few minutes ago, this service and this church, this community, are for those of us who grew up in church and still love it, for those of us who grew up in church and maybe aren't so sure about it anymore, and for those of us who didn't grow up in church at all, and for everyone in between. And actually, that idea is not that far off from the story that we're going to read today, the story that gives us the day of Pentecost. This is a piece of scripture that, like I said, kind of sets the tone for the whole book of Acts and for a lot of the New Testament with this pretty straightforward and also pretty revolutionary idea that the kingdom of God is for everyone. It's an idea that's woven throughout the text through letters and prayers and visions and admonishments. Isn't that a cool word? And all of it makes a lot of sense if we start right here in the book of Acts chapter 2. Before we start reading that, I want to give us a little bit of background before we get into the text that we're looking at today. The main thing to know is that the story of the Gospels just happened. If any of you remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus. So Jesus lived, died, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven. That's a really quick summary. And now his disciples, the very first followers of Jesus, are figuring out what it means to be the very first church. That's basically what the book of Acts is about. Jesus is the Messiah. Now what? Now what is Pentecost? So now we'll find out exactly what that is. We're going to start in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. I believe they're, they're up there. 
When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Okay, so we're four verses in, and it's already pretty interesting, right? Things got going pretty fast. Um, I want to talk about what we see here for a minute before we keep going with the text, because it's kind of a big deal, and I don't want us to miss it. So what's happening here is kind of a beginning of something that a lot of us today take for granted. And to understand it, we need to remember a key concept from the Old Testament, everything in the Bible pre-Gospels, pre-Jesus coming to earth. And that is this space that existed between God and humankind. As some of you probably remember, in the very beginning of the Old Testament, we have the Garden of Eden, where God walks side by side with Adam and Eve. There's no distance between them. They're walking together in the garden. And then sin enters the world, and it causes this division between them and God, between our God, who is holy and perfect, and we humans are also holy and perfect? No, maybe you are. I'm not. Um, so all throughout the Old Testament, there's this distance between God and God's people, a distance that's caused by sin. This distance was mediated by priests whose lives were devoted to seeking holiness in all things so that they could go before God on behalf of God's people. Only these priests were allowed in God's temple, and only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. This was this innermost portion of the temple where God's physical presence would appear physically. I said physically twice. We'll move past that. And even then, the high priest only did that once a year. And they would, like, tie a rope to him so they could pull him back out. It was a very intense deal because the presence of God is incredibly holy and incredibly powerful. So, But even this far back in time, in the Old Testament, we see God making a way to be close to us, to mediate this distance that's been caused by sin in the world. But here's the thing. God does not want to be far from us. God did not want a distance between us. God didn't want to stand at a distance from us. And God had a plan. God had a plan that meant we didn't have to spend our lives trying and failing to reach perfection, striving to somehow be holy enough to earn our way to God, to cross the distance ourselves. Instead, God came to us. Jesus, fully man and fully God, came to earth lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and was resurrected, defeating sin and death and putting an end to the distance between us and God. At his death, the Gospels tell us that the curtain in the temple separating God's presence in this holiest of holy spaces in the temple was torn in two. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus literally, physically, ended the separation between us and God. He died, he rose from the dead, and then he told his disciples to wait, to stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven, is what Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 24, 29. So they did. And those first few verses of Acts 2 that we just read are exactly what the disciples have been waiting for. Not only did Jesus come to earth, but now the Holy Spirit the very breath and presence of God has come down from heaven to be with them always. 
The presence that was reserved for the holiest of holy spaces in the temple is now living and breathing among God's people. There is now no separation between the Spirit of God and the people of God. Jesus was and is the reconciliation between God and God's creation. And what comes next? Acts 2, 4 through 13 will tell us. It'll be up there. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. What comes next, and what we've seen here in these verses, is that God begins to reconcile all people to himself and all people to each other. Folks from every people under heaven were gathered in Jerusalem, and suddenly they were hearing the word of God in their own languages, each and every one of them. In this text, we see the Spirit of God move, not confined to any one language, to any one nation, people group, or ethnicity. People from every nation are hearing the word of God, and people from every nation are hearing and understanding one another. The church is just beginning, and already the doors of the kingdom of God are being flung wide open. And already some people think it's crazy or that they are drunk. But then Peter steps up, because it's always Peter. Anytime someone steps forward to say something in the New Testament, it's like eight times out of ten going to be Peter. He talks a lot. Um, so Acts 14 through 15 tells us, Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is pouring out the spirit on all flesh sons and daughters, young and old, men and women. God's just letting anybody in. That's kind of the story of Acts. It's kind of the story of the Old Testament. It's a big part of the story of the Bible. 
See, in calling back to the prophet Joel, Peter reminds us that God is simultaneously doing a new thing here and continuing a much older story, a work which began long before the day of Pentecost. In this text, we see God pouring out the Spirit on all people. And to the disciples in the book of Acts, and maybe to us today, this word and work of God feels unprecedented and revolutionary. Remember, calling back to when the Spirit of God dwelt in the temple, and most people couldn't even go into the temple. A lot of people couldn't go near the temple if you're unclean for any number of dozens of reasons. And even the high priest, the biggest guy in the temple, was only going to go into the place where God was on one day a year. And now Peter is reading a prophecy, reciting a prophecy from Joel, saying that God is pouring out a spirit on all people. That doesn't make any sense to them. So again, this feels revolutionary at the time. So anytime, I think that's important to remember, anytime something in the Bible seems weird to us when we're like sons and daughters young and old men and women try to think what it would have felt like in first century jerusalem i promise you it would probably be much weirder because here we see that not only is god reconciling all people to himself that's revolutionary right there but god seems to be working to reconcile all people to each other do you see that in this passage do you see that when the Spirit of God descends on the people, not only are they connected to God in a way that they've never been before, but that they can hear and understand one another in ways that they never have before? In this passage, God acts as if the separations that they have established between themselves, that we have established between ourselves, the divisions and the walls that they've built between each other don't really matter. God actually seems to be tearing them down. And that is revolutionary. But the words of the prophet Joel, written 900 years before Pentecost, before this story, and about 2,500 years before today, remind us that the Spirit's work in this passage is not an isolated incident, but it's actually a continuation of God's work in the world. As Kristen Emery Saldine writes of Pentecost, the heavens open, something new and surprising is afoot. This is something new. It's definitely something surprising. And it is something deeply, transcendently ancient. This is something that we have never seen before, and this is what God has always been doing. And it's a thing God is still doing today. God is still reconciling us to himself. God is still calling us to be reconciled to one another. God has broken down the walls and divisions between heaven and earth, and God is breaking down the walls and divisions we build between ourselves and others. God is still surprising us, still making a way in the desert, still making rivers in the wasteland. And still, doesn't it always seem brand new? Isn't it kind of delightful how we're always surprised? Like babies, you know, before they've got object permanence worked out, when they're amazed every time you say peekaboo, and they're like, whoa, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And you're like, you just saw it 10 times already. Because God is always moving and working in new ways. And God's work is always surprising. And at the same time, if we watch, if we're paying attention, we can see that this has been God's work from the very beginning. God has always been reconciling us to himself. 
God has always been closing the distance between us. God has always been moving and working to draw us closer to himself and closer to one another. God has been turning tables, tearing curtains, breaking down walls, and throwing open the doors of the kingdom since the beginning of time, subverting all our expectations every step of the way with the ancient and astonishing revelation that the kingdom of God is for everyone and that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the message of Pentecost. It's a message for us to carry in our hearts every day. God has been throwing open the doors of the kingdom since day one, and we are invited, and so is everyone else. I pray that we follow God's lead here. I pray that we follow the work of the Spirit, that we join God in proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that the kingdom of heaven is for all of us. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.